Welcome to the Speckled Truth Podcast. This is the only show dedicated to the conservation of the trophy trout population from the East Coast to the Gulf Coast. Here, we go below the surface to discuss what happens when science and anglers work together for a cause. Gear up with your host, Captain Chris Bush, a trophy trout purist, leader and educator within the fishing community, as he talks about all things big speckled trout. Get ready for the slimy, salty truth, better known as the speckled truth. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you back to the Speckled Truth Podcast. Captain Chris here. Got a special guest really by people demanding and really wanting to hear from him. And so, whew, it took us a hot minute, but uh, actually got Captain Chad Petterick here today on the podcast uh, to talk about a lot of things, mostly things you know from the Baffin Complex, but we'll talk a lot about the Saltwater Legends series and the proximity that he has to a lot of some of the really the best anglers in the Texas coast. And then aside from that, a lot of the legends that he's had a chance to talk to. So without further ado, Captain Chad, hey brother, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely, dude. I know this has been a little difficult in terms of locking in some time, but you know, honestly, man, with kind of what's going on with COVID and and really life in general to some extent. Um, it's been a little difficult. So I really appreciate your flexibility, Chad. I really do, man. Thanks. Uh, not a problem at all. Thank, thank you for your patience. Uh, you know, trying to get our last leg of the Saltwater Legends tournament in, you know, keeping weekends busy. And, you know, for, for at the beginning of it, the impression was people to stay away, you know, stay at home and everything. And I think everybody thought that meant to go fishing. So, <laughs> you know, it was a concern that we weren't going to have Many people want to come down and booking trips and everything, but it ended up being like twice as many people on the water and twice as many calls and uh, very blessed, you know, that all this is kind of working out during these troubling times, you know, so. No, for sure. And, and I know that was a little bit of a concern when we were trying to dial it in, at least initially, we had something kind of teed up and then all of a sudden it went kind of berserk, right? I mean, people went from not fishing and leaving their house at all to all of a sudden like, there's 10 times the amount of people on the water, it seems like these days. And so, you know, thankfully I take the summer off, although I've, I've been fishing a little bit here and there, but I've still been seeing a lot of pressure. And I'm sure, you know, for you, uh, not only as a guide, but also in the legend series, you had concerns about, Hey, okay, how are we going to finish up the season? And you were able to kind of wedge that in. So I was like, Chad, do your thing, brother. We'll, we'll, we'll schedule it at some point. And so, yeah, I mean, talk to us. I mean, what, what is the kind of day in day out, you know, you're on the water all the time. I mean, what, what is the atmosphere out there right now? That, that atmosphere on our waters now is just, uh, it's crazy with the amount of people that are, that we're seeing, you know, mm. I fish, you know, every other weekend, like 12 straight and take off every other weekend, you know, running legends and everything else that we do. But, uh, during the, the months of June, July, and August, you know, no weekends at all because of the pressure. And, you know, it's hard to be a guide when, you know, you have that many people in the water. You can't honestly do what you want to do. You can go out and, you know, find a spot and, you know, worry about catching numbers, but, but to actually have a special day and not be disturbed and, you know, be able to communicate, keep your clients close to you. It's hard to do when you put that many boats on the water and it's concerning, you know, to me because of the, the amount of people and, you know, our fishery, I, I can't see it be able to withstand the pressure that it's receiving, you know, down here, at market 37 in Corpus Christi today, they have a huge pipeliners tournament. 
I, I haven't seen the actual, you know, Marina today, but I was told that they had like 1200 people coming to this event. I mean, that's, that's just crazy numbers, Chris, you know, in my opinion, yeah. um, you know, how can a fishery stand up, you know, and I don't want to turn people away from fishing because that's what we all love to do. But, you know, it's, it's concerning to me on, on the amount of traffic and stuff that we're seeing on our base. I mean, and every year it's continued this, you know, uh, this coming March be, marks my 25th year as a guide along the Texas coast. I've got a lot in Port O'Connor. I've got it a whole lot down here in Baffin and every year it just seems to be more and more people. And I love to see that people have the passion for the sport, but you know, concern for the fishery, you know, so. Yeah. And that's interesting, you know, I mean, certainly from your perspective, obviously day in, day out and understanding that, you know, the, the, the everyday pressures that it receives was already increasing. And then now with COVID and people participating more in fishing and getting more of what I think I heard, I was listening to uh, this guy, John Miller yesterday, and basically like the Louisiana fishing license sales have tripled from last year. Right. And so I would imagine it's probably the same here in Texas, in the Texas coast. And so it was already growing. And then all of a sudden you just inundate it and double it and surge this, um, you know, this, this sport, you know, and then all of a sudden, I mean, there's really only so much obviously that the fishery can withstand. And so you seeing that and understanding and getting your perspective on that is, is super important and, and interesting, right? Not I'm with you. I don't necessarily know how the fishery can withstand that long-term. Long-term is being the key, right? There's no sporting events. There's no concerts. There's no things that we're kind of used to doing right? You know, no, no on side. the weekends, right, to kind of occupy time. And really, so the only thing that there truly is right now because hunting season's not, you know, in anywhere full swing. And so, you know, is to go fishing. You're, and people you're are at- doing that. You're absolutely correct. You know, the, the people that I see, you know, that are, that are down and fishing now, you know, and you talk to them and the, even the calls I receive, it's people because they have nothing else to do. You know, thankfully yeah. they have some restaurants that are opening some bars, you know, maybe some people have some late nights and forget to wake yeah. up in the morning. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, we're, we, we've seen the sport grow, you know, over the years uh, we've seen it you know, just constantly go up. I don't know if it's, you know, cost of deer leases, you know, making people have different, hobbies, you know, and, and getting out and going fishing. But, you know, one of my, one of my biggest concerns is I, I, I love the fact that the limit was cut down to five, you know, I'm afraid mm-hmm. it's going to be cut down, you know, maybe in the future again, you know, I don't want to get into the, to the parts of our fishery to where we're only able to go out and, you know, fit, catch and release. And that's the biggest thing that I'm concerned about, you know, during this time, because people do like to take some fish home, but at the same time, they like to go and try to catch trophy trout and, you know, I've got to give forever last, you know, and, and, uh, you know, the fish tote, those type of things, uh, a little bit of a push right here because of some of the things that I've seen, you know, I've touched base with it, talking to you in previous, you know, conversations about how, you know, people catch fish, string them up, maybe catch bigger. And, you know, they're only allowed to five and, you know, I, I hear of it, you know, and I, I even, I, I've seen a few clients of mine say, Hey, you know, this is a better fish or, you know, I should have kept this one. And I'm like, no, you got your fish. Yeah. You know, there's no reason to try to do an upgrade, but it's a, it's a mentality, you know, in, in the mind to go back in. And, and I'm talking about the everyday fisherman that's out there. Not, not anyone in particular, you know, I'm just sure. talking about yeah. the guys that are out there that they get out and catch, catch a few fish. And then all of a sudden they get into a better group of fish and, 
you know, a fish on a stringer cut loose, released, you know, it's a, it's a conversation I have on, on my boat, you know, talking to my guys, you know, when you're sitting there fishing somebody to, yeah. to kind of put this into perspective as a deer hunter, you know, somebody goes out and shoots a 140, 150 class buck and they get one buck tag, but then all of a sudden they're driving out of a ranch. No one's around. They see a 190, you know, that mm-hmm. walks out in front of them. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Yes. It, it, it crosses their mind. Should I, should I not? But I think we're seeing people that, that answer that question with, yeah, I got to take that, you know? Right, and then right. are we truly only, you know, the perspective of going down to five fish, you know, per person, is that truly what's happening? Because I've seen it and I hear of it, you know, and it, it's, it's one of those things where our fishery, I, I, I'm not going to say it's just in just troubled times, but with the amount of pressure that it has, it's definitely changed over 25 years of being a guide and what I have seen, you know, the, the numbers that we saw on big fish. And I, yeah. I, I have a huge passion for it, just like you do, Chris, you know, the, yeah, yeah. the big fish. You know, if I'm in a fishing in an area and our, our bite is not what I want or they're smaller fish or, you know, I'd rather catch one than five myself, you know, if it was the right one, just like I'm sure you, you're the same way, you know. Absolutely. Um, but we're, that's, that's a big concern, you know, that's going on along the fishery. And, and I, hey, hats off to our Saltwater Legend Series anglers. I mean, th- this year with our, with our numbers being a live fish tournament, you know, I wish that's how they'd make every single tournament because people, mm-hmm. our biggest fear this year with the legends was to try to get it in in time when the water was still cool because of the fishery, mm-hmm. you know, and, the, and yes. we, we don't brag, but we're pretty boastful, you know, about our, our anglers and how well they take care of the fish because of a half pound deduction when they weigh them in. And it, we have some great anglers that know what to do with these fish, you know, to, to keep them alive and they want every ounce they can possibly get. But our, our main concern was that we were going to wait too late in the year. Water was going to get too hot. Okay. So if that was the case me as the tournament director, I was, I, I was thinking, well, we're going to have to move it back to the fall or, you know, we're going to have to do this thing, this last leg of this for October, November, you know, December, maybe because of the concern of the warmer waters. But Hey, we had that tournament in Port O'Connor, you know, in, in May, not even what a month ago, four weeks ago, those guys, water temperature up low 80s. You talking about? I was so impressed with the way they took care of them. We did not have. I think it was a seven percent. I know on day one we only had six fish that did not make it in that entire way in of that I'll tournament. Funny, man, that's kudos, dude, to you guys. And and yeah, like you're saying, the anglers themselves that are putting the extra effort to take care. Now, granted, I know that there's money online. I fished some redfish tournaments um back in the day and so understanding a half pound deduction especially when tournaments are one you know one by one hundredths of you know of an ounce and so you know every little bit uh counts right and so a half pound is is significant um but also understanding (laughs) the level of effort it takes to take care of fish uh in a live well you know from oxygenation systems to water supplements to you know just making sure you have cool water. So we would always carry ice and just try to keep that water cool, keep that, you know, that fish kind of in a very comfortable behavior. And right. so that's tough, man. A lot of people is like, oh, we'll just have a catch and release tournament. Dude, from an, from an angler and a participant perspective, that shit's hard. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, no doubt, no doubt. It is, you know, I, I sat there and just kind of see, you know, before that tournament was even coming up, just to see how our, the fish would react, you know, and I, you know, catch one and, 
put it on the bogan and walk it, kick it on the live well and put it in there. And, you know, I was even struggling to keep four or five alive in the live well because I knew that's what they were trying to keep, you know, four fish, three trout and a red, you know, in the Legends tournament. And then me speaking with Chris Coulter, who, you know, is our platinum sponsor, who has been there, the backbone of Saltwater Legends Series with Chris's Marine and Haney boats and, you know, along with Michelle at Mercury Marine. And I was just very concerned. I didn't want our tournament to be known as a kill tournament because we Certainly. know that it, we know that it's all possible. And I know that our waters are only getting warmer and warmer in June, July, and August, you know, but, um, and, you know, when I'm leaving the marina yesterday and talking to the guy that's out there, uh, James at the fuel tank, and I mean, every day I come in, you know, fill up the boat, have it ready, put it in the lift and everything. And he says, you know, there's going to be 1,200 people here tomorrow. And I just looked at him and I was like, 1,200 people in this tournament? you imagine if they catch two fish each? And that's yeah. it. I mean, that's 2,400 trout pulled out of the bay, you know? So um, I know we, we we as guides are guilty too, you know? It's not like we, we feel like we're the only ones that can go out there and, you know, take some home for dinner and, and, and make a scene, you know, and take a fish photo of a guy with a string or anything. We do the same thing. But when you look at the whole picture, it's very, very, you know, it's very, very concerning to me as a guide and for the future of our fishery and the future for our livelihood, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. And you said it right there, the future of your livelihood. But I, I don't want to pause you there because I, I, I want to come back to that. But I, I know a lot of folks, especially that are on like the eastern seaboard for us, Virginia, North Carolina, we have a pretty strong reach up there and we have a lot of listenership up there. And so I know I'd mentioned it right coming into the podcast that you're the tournament director for the Saltwater Legends series. And so, but you know, obviously for folks in Texas, we understand, you know, what that series is about, but for those folks who aren't maybe familiar with the Saltwater Legend series, can you give them a little bit of a run, rundown of like, you know, what it's about, how it maybe came about and, and then how you became the tournament director? Or is this something that you've spawned really from, from your thoughts, right? And your creation. Right. From the very beginning, you know, it was me sitting down at the marina and picking up a load of guys and I had a a group of clients, but I had one of my sponsors that was along on the trip and we took off and we were fishing and stuff and out on the water. And he started during the day, you know, proceeded. He started talking to me about a fishing hall of fame and the fishing hall of fame kind of stuck in my mind, you know, stuck in my head. And whenever we, you know, we're done with the day, I don't know why it just never left me. You know, I kept thinking about it, thinking about it. And I was like, you know, is there anything? And I get on my phone, try to look up something with saltwater fishing in Texas. Is there any type of hall of fame? Because that was the that was the roots of it all you know uh going back and you know honoring these guys that paved the ways before us you know that 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 did the things that were so special that that attracted attention the standouts you know social media has given so many people these days satisfaction you know on their self of showing what they can do and things you know you do the same thing chris i do the same thing in my business it promotes you know speckled truth it promotes chad federate guide services but as a as a guy that was here back you know fishing in the 50s 60s 70s 80s the the guys who you know if we had to fish with their equipment now we probably wouldn't have as many fishermen on the water you know the uh, the guys that that roughed it out and went out there with you know before the gps days and you know before the braided line days and all the special hooks and you know just the total gear and the topwaters and the corkies and everything that we have but I wanted to see if there was some way in my mind at that time, if there was anything in Texas. And, uh, 
I couldn't find anything. And I was thinking to myself, man, we really need to start some type of Hall of Fame up. Well, it kind of left that in my mind. It kind of just went back to, I'm in Corpus, you know, I'm busy, I'm a guide, I'm in the, you know, I'm in the area that we have a ton of legends. And so the very beginning, yep. it was just going to be called the Laguna Legends. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually, you know, went and got the name. Uh, we were going to have a tournament. We were going to honor somebody from here in Corpus and Corpus only. And it was just going to be called the Laguna Legends. Well, I went over and I was looking for your first sponsor, you know, and any of that stuff. It's it's what you need. And, um you know, Chris and Julie Coulter, I, I sat down with Chris over in, in Aransas Pass and threw the, threw the idea at him. And I mean, the guy just looks at me and he says, hey, let's do it. You know, let's oh, get yeah. after it. Let's do it. Yeah. And I, we we started talking in our first event. You know, we had 77 teams of three and, and it was going to be just the Laguna Legends. And about a month before it was going to happen, we changed the name to Saltwater Legends Series because through deeper conversation with sponsors, and asking sponsors, they said, why would you just, let's, let's spread it. Let's not just do it in mm-hmm. Corpus Christi. Let's take it across the whole state. And let's go back to that Hall of Fame, you know, thing that you, you know, were thinking about. And, you know, it kind of, it was a little more than I wanted on my plate at the time, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, sure. But um, I thought, you know, hey, this would be pretty cool. Let's let's test the waters this year. Let's have it. And, I mean, Chris, Chris jumped right in, full sponsored. I mean, he got a hold of Mercury and you know, built the relationship and, you know, just put me in contact with all the right people. And, and we got it happening in the first year we had, you know, the event, uh, just a one day event, just to test the waters. Uh, we honored, uh, Bill Sheikah, you know, who's a legend in many ways, yep. you know, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, we had a very special event. Um, I can still remember, you know, the way in was crazy. I mean, it was our first deal and thanks to, to go all the way back to, Rudy's Redfish, uh, those guys let me borrow their trailer and their scales and everything. They said, don't, don't invest in that. Let's, you know, do all this and let's, let's try it out. And so, you know, thanks to Jeff with, with Rudy's for allowing me to do that the very first year we, we had it, we had the event market 37, great event success. Everybody had a blast. Winners mm-hmm. took home a boat motor and trailer. And, and even though the tournament was so big at that time, you know, it, I think just because it was one tournament and fishing for a boat, motor, and trailer, we kind of wanted to make it more, I don't know if you would say more difficult or, or more challenging would probably be the words that I'd want to really, okay, if we're going to be honoring these guys, and this is our main focus, and it still is my main focus to this day. I mean, the last event, Port O'Connor, uh, you know, with the COVID and everything going on, we we opted out because we didn't want to bring any, any more of the elderly folks in, you know, around sure. what's going on, but that's our number one focus and will always be the number one focus because that's the one that's the most heartfelt to me seeing these, the people that we've honored, the calls that I have, the visits when I go and, you know, inform them that they're going to be, you know, the next saltwater legends. I mean, you, you go back all the way, James Fox sticks to my mind right off the bat. You know, the guy was, was fighting. I mean, for his life, he was, he was, uh, you know, having some problems, some medical issues and, you know, it gave him such, such a lift and, and to see just those little things, because, you know, these guys, they have this spectacular career and everybody looks up to them and we all look at them. They're, they're idols, you know, and then all of a sudden yeah. they get to the end of their career and they quit. Well, you know, Chris, everybody just forgets about them. They close that book. Yep. 
they, they find another idol or they find somebody else and and these these guys deserve much more respect you know than than that because of the hours the time the the efforts that they've given to you know saltwater fishing here in texas and and becoming those icons of it you know from the very beginning but i don't i mean you can stop me at any time i could keep rambling on with saltwater <laughs> legends but I, i'm going to tell you right now it, it's become a very very uh, not a small field but we went from 70 boats you know the first year we had 50 60 boats the second year you know it kind of gets went down to like 40 boats and you know this year we had uh our we had uh, a 40 a high 30 and a high 28 for our last one not too, too many people came because it's a it's a yeah. it's a series it's a three tournament series um i mean we've got we've got some of the best anglers that are, that are on the coast, you know, that come and fish this thing. And I've, I always say the same words, best of the best. And it is a challenge. And, uh, I can honestly say, I mean, again, going back to kind of fishing those redfish tournaments, you know, uh, one, we had like a smaller club. It was called the Gulf coast conservation, uh, not GC. It was the, um, oh my God, now I'm drawing a blank, but nonetheless, it was like a smaller club, but we still had, it was the GCCA, but, we had a really small club of anglers and they were like Bobby Averscato, Scott Ritters, Barney White, you know, Paul Dufresne, like all these guys that are pretty prominent in the, in the redfish world. Dude, we were right. huddling around like a, a, a boiling pot of hot dogs and drinking Miller Lights, you know what I'm saying? After the event and a winner took home, maybe like maybe $120. But man, I tell you, it was like maybe a 30 boat field. And right. that was truly like the best of the best. And then aside from that, when we actually went and fished like HT3, we fished IFA events. It was like a small fraternity of guys. And it you knew if you hung like in those smaller events with that that crowd, you're like, dude, I can compete in kind of like a much larger level. And sure enough, man, you typically see those names kind of in the top 20, you know. And honestly, if you won the smaller event, which me and my actual buddy, uh, Brandon Treadaway, we actually won. And that was like our proudest moment, man was winning right. one of those small events and we won at Delacro because even though we took home like 150 bucks, we took home big fish was maybe like 70 bucks or something like that. Right. We knew we fished around like against 40 of the toughest anglers, you know? And so everybody was stoked for us and things of that nature. And we did pretty good in the uh, IFA and HT3 too. But um, my point is, is the camaraderie, the fellowship, and then not only that, the competition, oh my God, like, it there's definite truth where it sharpens each other, right? I mean, the more difficult, the more competitive, all of a sudden these guys are just truly best of the best. And so that's pretty cool. Now, a little bit about the format. So it's a three person team. It's um what biggest trout and biggest red, or or is it what is it? It's a three person we're a three person tournament. Um uh three three man team tournament, live fish. They have to go and catch mm -hmm. the their three trout and one redfish. You know, we threw yeah, the redfish in there. We threw the redfish in there as a challenge, and it's it's funny. I mean, I get so many guys that come up to me that are just, you know just specifically fish for trout, like I do about ninety percent of the time, and they're like, <laughs> you know, why do you have to have this damn redfish in here? You know, and it's kind of funny. It's yeah. just a it's a challenge, you know, because these guys get out there and they they got to fish for you know they got to get their trout, then they got to get their redfish and they have to make that decision. Do you go get that red first? You go get your trout and then go look for your red. Cause there's a lot of decisions to be made during the day. Yeah. 
you know, and a lot of strategy. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And there's so many times we've had such beautiful stringers of three trout come in and there's no red, you know, and then, we, <laughs> then we'll have the team that has the big eight pound red, but they don't have anything bigger than a three pound trout, you know, so to, to make it work on all, all ends of it, you know, and, and to get out and do it. I mean, we've had some spectacular stringers by the Barton and Lloyd, you know, coming in over 30 pounds, you know, three trout, oh one red. Um, yeah. You know, you're talking over a seven pound average per fish and, and sure. across the board, you know, and, and we've had trout, you know, we haven't seen a 10 pound trout this year. I mean, we've had uh, Chuck Brown Ford jumped in and did a, uh, an awesome deal where we had a 10 pound challenge, you know, with the trout, anybody brought in a 10 pound trout, 10 pound trout or better, they got to take home $40,000 in cash. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, for, for one fish, you know, these guys are getting to go out there and fish for one fish yeah. that, that we all, you know, that's everybody's goal is that 10 pound fish, you know, every, every day is what you look for. But Hey, the, the thing that we see the most is our field has narrowed down and it's disturbing to us, you know, as a, as a, uh, as the board and as, as the tournament, but it's the challenge and, and people know that, you know, it's tough. These guys are tough. I mean, I could go down the list, you know, Ludicky Wessels and Sweeney have always been a tough team. Uh, you know, you got Leroy Navarro and Travis McKee and John Loera that have mm -hmm. always, you know, those two teams I've mentioned have won more of them, you know, uh, of the events than, than any other teams. But if you, you can't overlook any of them. You know, I don't care if they get yeah. 10th, 15th, 20th place in this event, the next event, believe me, they, they can be right there. But what we'd like to see is like this younger group that we just had win in Port O'Connor, you know, the Whitley boys uh, with Colby Payton, they came in and fished and we would love to see some of the younger generation. And I, I hate to sit here and harp on this with you, Chris, but like the social media, you know, it gives these younger anglers self-satisfaction. You know, you talking about that under the, under the tree with the hot dog, you know, tournament, the way yep. we did, the way we did it, you know, years ago. Yep. We didn't get that unless we got up there, got out there and competed against these guys and, and to really make a name for ourselves. You know, I can remember fishing in bath and bash tournaments and, uh, thank, thankfully for Tom Nix. I mean, God rest his soul and everything that Tom did, you know, it started the, the live trout tournaments down here. And I can remember signing up and going to fish those things and have a hundred, 120 boats and, in a tournament, you know, two man mm -hmm. team going out to catch four trout, bring them in. And that's if you wanted to make your name, a name for yourself, and especially in the guide business and attract attention to, you you know, uh, the guys that started 20, 30 years ago, we didn't, we didn't have social media to attract attention yeah. or to, to build a name for ourselves, And that's what we had to do and get out there and compete against the Cliff Webbs and the Jay Watkins and all the guys that, you know, yeah, me when I was in the world. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I started, started it. And I can even remember Dave still on the water down here, Rousey, we give each other, we, we have a love hate relationship and he knows it, you know, we, we do care about each other a lot. We're out there on the water and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we had to get out there and grind and do our thing, you know, to, to make that name. And I wish we would see more of that, you know, coming up to the scales and not knowing what the other one had and sitting there and, you know, looking back at those days and being, you know, head to head yeah. and, and coming out and seeing who's going to be on top as the Baff and Bash winner, you know, that year. And, uh, and having that many boats on the water and the, you know, coming in with the live fish tournament and, 
you know, it's it's crazy to see from Gulf Coast Trout Masters to the Baffin Bash to even Eric Simmons took it over, did the SCB Cup, you know, and then Tommy Hartung took it over and had the Baffin Classic, you know, and all these tournaments that, that have always been down here in the South Texas area. I mean, thankfully we had them and, and hats off to all those guys for doing it because I know what they were going through now as a director of a tournament, you know, and trying to make everybody happy, hold a great event. But what sets Saltwater Legend Series apart is is what the backbone is, and it's honoring these guys, these saltwater fishing legends. And and we we're we're still working with our local state representative. We're trying to get this thing completed. We're we're like on our last few steps to have this thing done to where we're truly accredited by the the you know governor of Texas oh, yeah. to, to be everything. Um, we've we've you know trying to get that done, and once that's accomplished, we have big goals with it. Uh, we would yeah. just like to see more people come out and compete against these guys. You know, I wish they had the fire that, you know, the, they have the fire to go do the fishing. They had the fire. They, they have the, the talent too. you know, um, I see it, you know, we got a lot of young people up and down, down the coast that attract attention already through social media and they're great fishermen, but come out and, and compete against these guys and have fun. You know, it's a great group of guys. Sure. The drop drama is next to nothing, you know, and, and there's, and I, I appreciate all, all all of our anglers and all of our support, you know, through sponsors and everybody. And I appreciate you, Chris, for everything you're doing with the Speckled Truth. And I, I think it's a great, great deal. I really uh, just kudos to you too, brother. I appreciate it, Chad. Thanks, man. And and I think we're like minded in that respect with regards to well, actually a couple of things. And the first would be, you know, from those t- young tournament guys. I mean, we were probably the youngest in that in that group. I mean, we had some other young fellas in that kind of red fishing you know, club per se, but man, there was no, like, honestly, the best prize was driving away, towing a boat, a little bit of cash in your pocket, but really that wasn't the the satisfaction. It was a Scott Ritter or a Bobby Abrascato or a T. Paul or, you know, Barney White or, you know, Mrs. Steve White. These guys that are pretty damn good. Not only that, but have been doing it for a long time and they come at patch on the back, man, good job, you know, and, and hell of a job today congratulations, you know, and you're like, damn dude, like, and so you earn a little bit of that respect, you know, but man, we're, we're pretty fishing our butts off, you know, and right. Really trying to pattern fish. It takes a lot of effort, you know, and that's, that's something to be said again for that kind of tournament scene is so, and I want to dive a little bit more into that here in a sec, but I also want to say, you know, recognizing the legends, you said something really, really important a few minutes ago. And that was, yeah, these guys have ridiculous careers i mean remarkable careers and yet as they get older it just fades away and that was you know part of the reason and the main driver for doing this podcast was simply that give them a voice that's why you know we haven't due to covid but like have mike blackwood you know and talk to mike blackwood and and listen to some of the stories we're going to do one with mr paul brown and bruce ball but we're not going to and we've done keith nettle or Keith Natal and, and uh, Ralph Phillips. And these are legends kind of in other states and complexes. But the idea is that they're part of our trout fishing lineage and our history, right? And it and it's right. cool to kind of listen to Jay Watkins say like, hey, man, I'm walking in footsteps. And you're like, well, hell, he's he's been guiding for 40 years, you know? And so like you're saying, I mean, these are dudes that were writing latitude and longitudes on a freaking notebook piece of paper to get to the next spot, you know, to spots oh, that sure. they found. And I mean, it's not like, just following a freaking bright and shiny uh, GPS or <laughs> our, shoot. I remember, and I'm all, I'm, I'm 39 years old. 
you know, we had kind of breadcrumb landmarks to get out to the surf out in Empire. You know, you you go here, okay, you look for this camp. You, once you get to that camp, you'll see this water tower, okay? And you kind of use these landmarks and directional headings to kind of go, you know? And so there's something to be said for that level of understanding of fishery and that level of effort. I'd like to take a small break to sincerely thank our podcast sponsors. As you know, we're a brand about sharing the passion and pursuit of trophy speckled trout, as well as our conservation. Fortunately for us, Mirror Lore, Texas Custom Lures, and the original Custom Corky support that same passion, which is evident through the support of this podcast. Simply put, without these brands, none of this will be possible. And we're incredibly appreciative, and we hope you are too. Now, let's get back to the discussion. So get back to the Legend Series. You mentioned a few teams, a few names. You know, talk to us a little bit about, about some of, you know, maybe what makes some of these guys the best or some really cool stories that you have uh, with regards to not only talking to the legends themselves, but to the teams as well. Right, right. Our team, you know, I, I respect all of them that come out and fish, you know, the legends tournament, um, you know, coming out to to the efforts. First of all, we need to touch on, you know, these guys, they don't they don't come and pre-fish one day you know, two days. It is an unfair advantage to some that, you know, due to work, they can't take the days off, but some of these guys live for this and that's all they want to do. You know, they'll, they'll fish three, four days before they may fish, you know, three weekends up to it, you know, and fish 10 days between each event. But, um, they, they put the effort in, in, and the saltwater legends has no boundaries. And that's one thing that just, it's, it's impressive to what some of these guys will do. They'll run two hours one way, you know, by boat to have three hours, four yeah. hours, five hours of fishing, turn around and run all the way back. But mm-hmm. the, the neatest thing about it is, is taking a guy out of his home area and uh, making that challenge for him to go to a different area and make it happen. You know, um, going to, you know, taking a group of guys out of Corpus Christi this year, you know, or, or even Rockport and making them go up to Freeport to fish. We, we don't put boundaries on it uh, since the very beginning. We haven't because we feel like it's just kind of part of the, the game, you know, learn it here. But if you want to take that risk, risk and go further, go and do it. And, you know, between uh, the tower boats, you know, uh, I hate to open up that conversation, but yeah, we're not going to go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there is a lot of guys that, you know, that use them. Uh, there is a lot of people that, that have concern that they use them. You know, um, there is a, it's, it's, we're kind of like one of those things when we had the tournament, when we started, we don't like to make any changes, you know, and, and what we do with it. And I think it's the dedication to the sport that these guys have. And, you know, what, what changes it more than anything is them to be able to apply what they know in their home waters to different waters and, and make it happen, you know, during that time. Um, you know, I've heard of teams winning events, you know, we'd have an event in Port Aransas and, you know, they ran back to Baffin Bay and fished and, you know, made it happen. But that team was, you know, from Port O'Connor area or, or from Matagorda area. Um, the, the the total event of Saltwater Legends Series is based around, you know, trophy trout. The redfish is just a kicker. Uh, it is very important. It's in there, you know, you have an eight-pound red, which will help you tremendously on weight. Um, most of our teams are built of strictly trout fishermen, but some of these teams have, 
you know, two trout fishermen and they throw a red fisherman or either they're guys that are just skilled both ways. You know, um, yeah. we, we see that, you know, talent level is, is incredible, but at the same time, you know, <laughs> I hate to keep going back on it to win even the biggest trout or biggest redfish award, you know, Chris Coulter came in with James Alexander and Wes Patty this year, and they went down to Freeport, and they're from all from Ranzas Pass, and they went largest redfish, and they got the biggest kick out of that and celebrated it all the way back and <laughs> talked about it at the next event. But yeah. the, so the, like, the skill level with the with the guys that I have and talking to them, you know, and the things that they do, um, you know, we'd have to do a separate podcast to cover every single team because it would be, in my, my opinion, it's, it's almost like it's an unfair – it's an unfair situation. Yeah. yeah. When, when you, you sit here and talk about them, but you, you go through and you look at like, you know, Rocky Whitley and, and his team, when you, you look at him with Russell Raleigh, those guys have won many a tournaments and they win more of the big red, you know, at each event. And they're, they're predominantly trout fishermen. They, they know how to redfish, you know, no doubt because they're doing it, but, uh, to keep these teams that are on the top and then this team of the year running, you know, even Jay Ray, you know, Jay Sun and, and, mm-hmm. and Steckler and Nestlone and Rockport, they've always, they're always in contention and, and they make long, long runs to make it happen, you know, but yeah. it pays off for them at the end. I got you. Now, like, like Brett Sweeney and, and his squad, I mean, obviously they did win team of the year this year. I mean, did they do something? Obviously, there's some consistency, right? When you're winning team of the year, you're obviously perpetually at the top of the list every every event. I mean, right. Is there something? Is there like like some strategy that they use, or it's just just kind of something? You know, what's I kind of their what's their approach, you, you know? You're talking about three three great anglers on that team. You know, mm-hmm. uh, kudos to Ludicky and, and Wessels as well. You know, I can remember just when the two of them were fishing by themselves. You know, against us here in Baff and Bash tournaments and you know, they were always in contention and are, are winning or in the top three, you know, um, you know, and, and same thing with Brett, you know, he was fishing. Uh, I know he's fished with other, other partners before, you know, the history and, and the nucleus of that team is just strong. You know, they build together. Um, they, and they, they, they're not, it's not a one person team. You know, a lot of these teams, you know, when I'm talking to some of the team members, they're like, you know, it's just me pre-fishing. You know, I'm, I'm the one doing all the work free fishing and these other guys have other jobs. They can't do it or they just they're just not doing it. And they they're relying on me to do this. Well, the teams that are special are the teams that all three anglers can break apart from each other and go look and pre fish and kind of get their game plan yeah. set with with not all three being in the same boat every day before mm-hmm. the event. And that is one thing that sets about 10 of our teams apart that they all put in their work, you know, each each individual. Mm-hmm angler puts in their efforts into the pre-fishing part of it. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. We moved the tournament. You know, that's one thing about it, Chris. We moved that thing around, you know, we went to Freeport. We try to go further north, and, and each each mm-hmm. time that we do, you know, we had a, only one event in Galveston and, and one in Freeport. We've had a couple in Matagorda. Um, we we left South Texas alone this year, you know, other than Port Aransas, but, uh, we left all of Corpus Fort Mansfield alone, but, uh, yeah. little heads up for these boys. They're going to have to come from North back down to the South next year. So we'll see <laughs> what the challenge is going to happen right now. It's looking like that's what we're going to do. It's probably a Mansfield, uh, Corpus Christi, Rockport area. Um, 
for this next year, kind of shift it back this way. And, and, and I love to mm -hmm. kind of move it around because like I tell you, you take them out of that comfort and the cream rises to the top. It does not matter. Yeah. It does not matter if you, and, and some of these teams, these top teams that we're talking about, and I'm not sitting there trying to call them out or anything, but just like Ludicky Wessels and Sweeney, Hey, they've had bad days, you know, but they stay more consistent, you know, with mm -hmm. what they're doing. Same thing with, you know, Leroy Navarro's team and, and John and Travis, they have the same thing. They've had some spectacular days, but yet they'll have those bomb days. They just bomb and it's fishing. You and I know as well, we're only as good yeah. as what we were yesterday. You know, you go out the next day and things change, you know, uh, for instance, you know, my trip on Thursday, I, we had a spectacular morning right off the bat and and I had guys that were had waited about a hundred yards, 150 yards away from us and and nothing. And the crazy thing is yesterday, that's where they were at. It was a, the yeah, fish yeah. moved to 200 yards, 150 yards yeah. away from where they were the day before. But during a tournament and you know how tight boats can get in tournaments, they can be right beside each other. And then you can have a hero one day and they'll go to zero the next. So. That's crazy. No, yeah, I'm with you. But you know, it's really cool though. Getting back to kind of younger uh, guys, though, it's like, man, they haven't really. Again, going back and talking with McBride and Watkins and Rousey and Doc J. Wright, and the, I mean, you know, these guys that have really kind of etched their way into kind of Texas angling folklore because they've won these events, right? These historic Trout Masters, Baffin Bay, and da 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 da, right? Of of old, and so that's what creates and makes them legends right their persona and and it kind of transcends them as an angler right because they're competing against the best and they're winning and and they've won you know and so you know these guys these younger groups that these teams that are competing against the field right now you know have a chance to perpet you know kind of etch their own history to some extent right hey I, you know looking back 20 years later like yeah i won that event like holy crap man that was that was tremendous you know and so that's pretty awesome, man. You're you're kind of creating that stage, that kind of next level, you know, or next generation of of kind of quote unquote legends, you know. Oh, for sure. It's a tournament, you know. I try to build it as a tournament that I would love to fish, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I still have, I still have plans on getting back back in it. You know, I've had my my run in them and had a lot of fun, you know, with with the tournaments yeah. and the time and and that we've done and fished and. <laughs> You know, there's still some of my fondest things, you know, the, the trophies that I've had, you know, they stay in one place yeah. in my, my man cave and they're all across the top. And it's just, I don't sit there and look at them because I want people to look at them and, and brag about it. I, I like to look at them and think about the memories, you know, the time when of I'm course. looking up and there's, there's a second place and, and <laughs> Rousey will always tell you about this, that we're sitting there in front of Doc's weighing in at Bath and Bash and, you know, Rocky Whitley and myself fishing the tournament. We had we had a great run for about 11 years. He and I did, you know, fishing. and Definitely memories. You know, I sat in there and I look up and, you know, the thing about being a fisherman, I think we have very, very strong memories. We, we I can remember guys that have been on my boat, you know, 10 years ago and this guy caught a big fish and remember exactly where it is. It's the same thing when you look up, you know, at trophies in your own man cave, you know, and the big silver cups. You know, because that's that was what you wanted. You wanted a silver cup or you wanted the big check, you know, the big fancy written out check mm -hmm. and put it on your wall in your garage, you know. And it wasn't there was nothing about a bragging standpoint. It was more about a memory standpoint in your career as a fisherman. And and you know, 
looking back at those days, you know, at the Baffin Bash or Baffin Classic, SCB Cup, you know, and, and making everything work out, you know, two-day event, and you got to have everything just just play out just the way it, it has to be. And and to look mm-hmm. up at them and, and remember, I can remember, you know, when you look up and you see a first-place finish, I can remember who was right right on our heels, second, third place. I can remember fishing some events with – with Mark Robinson and coming into the back when they had the Texas trout series and thinking, Oh, we got this, you know, we had a great day up on the badlands and had a credible box of fish and, and we're driving in and we shoot underneath the bridge and we go over to Port Aransas to weigh in and weigh in 21 pounds of, you know, three trout and thinking yep. you have it. And then yeah. Leroy Navarro comes in with 21, 20 or 22 pounds, you know, or, you know, um, even, even all the way back and, you know, forever rousing. I used to always make a big joke because, you know, hats off to David in the area. Very strong conservationist, very, you know, purist guy. And, and he, it's always those ones that you want to get into this and, and, and beat, you know, there's no other word. Yeah. You, you want to get in there and have success and, and beat them. And that's why I was going, getting that, you know, with our previous conversation about, you know, Rocky and I coming in and I'm talking about a horrible day, Norther blowing like you wouldn't believe, but we put it together and came in and, and lose the tournament by 0.02. And I'm talking about big sacks too, you know, a couple 28, 29 inch trout with a couple 24s, you know, and, and, you know, we still joke about it. Uh, David and I do both down here in, in Baffin Bay, you know, we, uh, the, the thing though, reflecting on those and looking at what, you you do in a fishing career is just like these saltwater legends that we honor you know mm-hmm. they have the trophies they have the success they have the stories they have the memories um and it's what fishing has really been all about you know the the competition part of it you know you're not going to remember the guy 20 years ago on social media that's been posting all these big pictures and stuff of fish and everything unless that guy's involved with something like saltwater legends, you're going to remember these guys who come out and compete in the saltwater legends. And, and, you know, one of our slogans has become legendary. That was, that's what was on the back of our t-shirts this year. And, um, you know, the, these guys that are making it happen now, you're going to remember them. One of the coolest things, you know, about, about our tournament is everybody, you know, I hear concerned because this person wins, this person wins all the time, whatever, but every single year for five years now, we've had a different team of the year win. Not one same team as one team of the year. So, you know, it's out there for the grabbing. I mean, come out, give it your all, and, you know, take home a, a $75,000, $80,000 Haney boat, motor, and trailer. I mean, for three events, six days of fishing, have a chance at winning $40,000, doing it with artificial lures, doing it with, you know, a live fish tournament. You know, it, it's kind yeah. of, I'm not I'm not here to be boastful and, bra- and bragging about the tournament, but, what else would you want to compete in, you know, Chris, to become on top of your game in the, in the fishery in the state of Texas during this time, you know? And that, and that's it, man, the state of Texas. And it, it's, you know, regarded as obviously, you know, if you're a trout fisherman, if you're a trout master, I mean, that's like, that's out there, you know, in the angling world, it's like being a damn Texas Ranger, you know, to some extent it's, it's, it's legit. Um, But, you know, getting back to one of the legends, you know, Billy Sheikah, you know, and so I invite anybody who's listening to this podcast to go and check you out at the Saltwater Legends series, your website, and then read the bios of the legends that you guys do recognize. And so the very first one, you know, we're kind of talking and I was doing a little pre-show research and 
you know, it's just really kind of one paragraph, right? Because I'm, I'm from Louisiana. I'm from South Louisiana. I know, I know of these folks. I don't know them, you know, uh, like some of my own in, in my own backyard, you know, the Dudley Vanabors, the Doc Bob Weisses, and, you know, and all Ed Sexton's of the world, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, Billy Sheikah in his bio, I'm just going to read it. Uh, put things in perspective concerning the stringer mount. Seven of the 10 trout in a stringer measured from 32 and three eighths inches to 33 inches in length. There right. are only three trout under 32 and three eighths inches. And the smallest one is still 31 and five eighths inches long. Any other two are 31 and three quarter and the and 31 and seven eighths. That's it. And, and that's, that's not a career. No, that's, <laughs> that's, that's one, that's that's one day. Yeah, that's incredible. And I, and I think, I mean, not to be jumping from one subject to another, Chris, but that's that's the concern that I have with our fishery. You know, those special days do not exist. You know, I always tell everybody on my boat, you know, my, I heard my grandfather tell me the good old days. Then I hear my dad tell my kids the good old day. Now I find myself t- saying the same thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, oh, oh, yeah. we all relate to the good old days. And, and you know, I can tell you right now, one of the most spectacular days I ever had personally on the water, and it was myself and Rocky Whitley, who has won many tournaments, and Mark Robinson was on with us, and he's won many tournaments as well. I had a cancellation. I was down here staying at a motel, you know, fishing four months, staying mm-hmm. at a motel in, in Corpus Christi, first seven, eight years of my, you know, life down here. Um and it wasn't a very nice motel either, Chris. But anyway, we, we, were, we backed it up in there. I mean, there was the the Jesse Arsola was backed up in there, you know, with me. I mean, yeah, there was like cool. three or four guys that stayed at this place. It's kind of like the guide motel. Yeah. Anyway, 27 trout and on topwaters, you know, fishing in Alzheimer Bay and one day and sitting there and just looking at each other and like not wanting to go home. You know, <laughs> and looking at each other and just going, oh, my God. And, and some of the most spectacular things, I mean, I'll still get things that come up and Marcus send me a message, you know, every now and then he says, you remember that time you you had you were throwing a topwater and you had about a seven, eight pounder on there. And the other one that came up and blew up on it about 20 feet in front of you and just started ripping it around in circles and straighten your hooks and had two fish, you know, on one topwater mm. that were oh, my Lord. Yeah. class. Only time it's ever happened to me. But it, it's it's. Where, where's those days, you know, the, this day and age, and, you know, I've talked to Jay, talked to David, you know, talked to everybody, you know, all these guys that are down here and been around and, and it's like the, the 30 is the new 28. And then it's like the 28 is the new 27, you know, or you catch yeah. one over 25. It's like the old 28. And that's the yeah. thing that's the, that's concerning me the most, you know, is the trophy fishery, not so much our fishery has been incredible down here this year. Trout fishing has been just yep. crazy, crazy good. And uh, good, my yeah. passion, lure fishing, and and to go out and, you know, yesterday morning taking advantage, getting out there before the crowd. And, and because when the crowd gets out there and all the boats run around, Chris, you know, it changes. Our habitat has changed. Not ours, but the fish, mm-hmm. the fish habitat has changed. You know, um, you get these guys running down and burning our shorelines, you know, it's kind of crazy. I always reflect back to it when I first started as a guide. This coming March would be my 25th year anniversary of this stuff. And when I very first began, my name, my business was Shoreline Guide Service. And and I didn't know, other than the fact that I love to fish shorelines, that's 
that was the reason for the name. And yeah. over the years, with the tunnel boats and everything else has gone on, I, I didn't have the success that I once had on the shorelines. Everything kind of became middle of the bay success. Get away yeah, from the interesting. shoreline. You know, King Ranch shoreline, you know, 20 plus miles from Bluffs Landing all the way down to Baffin. Some of the most pristine, best trout fishing that you could imagine for years. You know, uh, mm -hmm. you go out, going to those trophies and looking outside, those memories I look up and how many of those came off the King Ranch shoreline. But nowadays, there's so many burn boats and tire boats that burn right down it. I think we've changed their their habitat. You know, for for years we had all the shrimp boats in the middle of the bay. We ran deep running boats and we'd ease down to areas and we didn't run in there. We idled into a shoreline if we were going to fish it. You know, we didn't spook anything. So everything was kind of like, you know, the middle of the bay was where all the the traffic and the disturbance was, but up on the shorelines it was pristine. And now, without all the shrimp boats that we used to see and without all the deep running boats that we used to see and everybody running shallower boats, we all run run the shorelines. And I think we changed their habitat. You know, I, one of the last seminars I gave it said it, it would be kind of like uh, having an oak patch down in South Texas. You know, and all of a sudden, you yeah. know, you see 50, 60 deer on it every evening. And then they put a whole, you know, drilling rig in the back and put a whole... <laughs> you know, a road right through the middle of the oak patch, those deer are going to change their habitat too. Sure. They're, it's, it's, you know, mother nature. It's evolution. Yeah. It's nature. It's evolution. Nature no, literally. Um, yep. And so I was having this conversation, man. I mean, you know, with actually one of the guys in Speckle Truth, Ed Crum, obviously weighed fishing in Barrier Islands outside of the Mississippi Sound to include Chandelier. And, you know, obviously reading Rudy Grigar's book, you know, and obviously you guys recognized him actually as one of the saltwater legends. Yes, we did. Um, but reading his book, Plug. Yeah, reading his book, Plugger. Um, and so he's like, man, that guy used to obviously wade fish Shandy a lot at night. And he fishes out there a lot, that Cat Island, Ship Island, Horn Island, stuff like that. And, you know, especially now, a lot more boats on, you know, during a day, during a weekend. And so obviously he's looking for some bigger fish. Even the chandelier complex is getting a lot of pressure as far out as it is out in the Mississippi Sound. Still a lot of boats are, are, are scooting out there. And right. he's like, I wonder if these fish, like I want to go fish Shandy at night because obviously Rudy Grigar did it, but he goes, a lot of people don't. And he goes, I wonder if these fish have kind of conditioned themselves now to be more nocturnal and, and these bigger fish to kind of feed more at night on these islands versus during the day because they're getting banged on so much, you know, and, and yeah. to some extent he's probably got a point and kind of to your point, which is, you know, we've evolved as fishermen to kind of go where the fish are. Well, you know, they've evolved to our patterns and behaviors and, and now they're going to do something completely different that we're not doing. Right. And so it's this kind of perpetual game of cat and mouse to some extent, but, you know, as a guy who didn't live here, and, and I know you're talking about, you know, it being not necessarily what it once was, but I can tell you, you know, as a guy who didn't grow up here, but a guy who's kind of a transplant by virtue of the Air Force and has really called Texas home for, you know, five plus years now and fished this complex for that long, which isn't, right. you know, a drop in a hat. But I mean, dude, I went on Wednesday evening, caught a late, late evening minor, right? Moon, moonrise right, minor. Right. And just in a walk-in spot. <laughs> And uh, ended up catching two fives, a six, and an eight. I mean, there, there is not another place, you know, that 
you can go and just do that. Right. And right. so, so it, it's still remarkable, but it's even crazy to think that it can get even more remarkable than that, you know? And so it's just insane to listen. So, you know, obviously Billy Sheikah's stories and you fishing a Baffin complex and, and kind of listening to your 27 trout day on top where, you know, two trophy class fish are fighting over your top, top water plug. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to the Speckled Truth Podcast and part one of our discussion with Captain Chad Petterick uh, with regards to his involvement in creation of the Saltwater Legend series. But please stay tuned for part two, which will come out here uh, in about a week is when we'll go ahead and release that as well. But we talk more about the Baffin Complex and conservation and he shares some really remarkable stories about some incredible catches. Uh, there within the Baffin Complex. So please stay tuned again for part two. But again, thanks so much for listening to the Speckle Truth Podcast. Without your support, none of this happens. And also, too, without the support of Miralore, Texas Custom Lures, any original custom corky, as well as Mossy Oak Fishing, without them, none of this is possible. So thanks again for sticking around for part one. I hope you enjoy part two when it releases. And thanks again. Tight lines. God bless. And always remember, take what you need and release the rest. Take care.